I had a question asked of me this week, and I really love questions um, because I really, I don't have all the answers, so I love questions because they cause me to have to like dig in and think about things I wouldn't otherwise have to think about. So I just love when the body, you know, and it'll be a, a believer will reach out to me and be like, you know, what about this and what about that? And, you know, it's not like I can re- often respond with, well, here's exactly what needs to happen. You know, I'm, sometimes I'm kind of like, it always pushes me back to ask myself, like, what is Jesus about in this situation? So whenever somebody asks me a question, I'm not trying to give an answer. I'm first trying to find Jesus in the question. You know, like, so if somebody's asking me about something at and it's in the body of Christ, it's in our relationship to him, it should be pushing me toward Jesus, not toward an answer. And, and that's what I get from the brothers in my life, sisters in my life. What I love about this family of faith is that if I've ever come to anybody that's here, I don't get sympathy, I don't get human understanding, I do get Jesus, you know, and I, or I get something I maybe have said in the past and I'm reminded of it, you know, like, well, you said, (laughs) and I'm like, oh, okay, thank you. (laughs) I don't remember saying it and I needed it at the moment, you know, or whatever. Um, But the question to me this week was, um, it was about something that I believe is is a lie that has been created in the church. And that's what I think is cool about how the Lord uses this family we're named Truth Church, but I think that actually prophesies to like our role. Our role is expose lies, right? Expose deception, and then let the truth be known. So when deception is exposed and the truth is known, now you have a choice. Because if you never know you're deceived, you don't have an opportunity for repentance. The most dangerous deception is deception that thinks it's not deceived. Right. So if I think and I loved what you just said, you know, like I I never want to get to a place of arrival. And like when I'm 85, 88, 90, 95, if the Lord so tarries when I'm 104, like I want to be able to learn. I want to have my heart open to the Lord and I want to have exposure to the deception that can creep in and take hold and just live in that place of conformity to his image and live in that place of peace and rest. So one of the lies um, come out of this question was, the question was, what do you believe or know about mantles, key anointings, you know, anointings from the Lord? And, you know, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time focused on mantles, key anointings and things like that. But I think it exposed something much deeper through the question, because in, in the body of Christ, what I've witnessed is men are really good at creating things to make themselves more important. And they use scripture to do it. So they'll use verses and any of us could do this. So this isn't a condemnation. This is just a challenge that none of us would get sucked into creating something that would make ourselves more significant And therefore, if we make ourselves more significant, it would make others less significant. Okay. Um, Also, the question at its foundation 
is flawed in the face of the new covenant relationship we have with Jesus. So 2 Peter chapter 1 can't be true, right, if you still have something that you need to find through your pursuit, being an anointing, a key anointing, a mantle type of a mindset. So it's flawed at the root because if you need a mantle, the Bible then becomes untrue in the new covenant because all of a sudden you don't have what you need. Right? So now the body of Christ, when you preach mantles, anointings, whatever you want to call it, if you start to pursue that, you're actually living out of a lie, which is lack. And now you're pursuing something you'll never find. But you'll manufacture in order to be accepted or approved or find favor with the people who believe what, you're, what you think you're pursuing. So you'll manufacture in your own life a key anointing, a mantle, and then you'll be around people who agree with your key anointing or your mantle. And when you're around people for their approval and their favor, you'll create an environment that will cause some to be anointed and some to not be. And now you'll figure out formulas of how to get the not bees into the bees and the body of Christ will be fragmented. And then those who are anointed suddenly are raised on a pedestal. So I think Jesus does not like that. That's just my, what I understand from the Bible. So where does this come from? 1 Kings chapter 19. This is, a, this is about Elijah. He says, So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke and of oxen in front of him, and he was with the twelfth. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. He left the oxen, ran after Elijah, and said, Let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. He said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen, sacrificed them, boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen, and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. So out of this passage, the idea of the mantle being passed on has proliferated mostly in the charismatic church. You won't find it in the Baptist circle. You won't find it in an evangelical type of a teaching. And so mantles and the mindset of the mantle is the person who went before you carries some level of authority, of of anointing, of power, and that what you want then is to have their level of authority, anointing, and power become your level of anointing, authority, and power so that you can operate in a greater way than where you're operating now. That's the basic foundation of why somebody's pursuing a mantle and why they want mantles. Um, and so I just, I just started thinking through it. And I'm like, okay, what, in the old covenant, when we're separated from the Lord through his perfection and our imperfection, how did Elijah become marked by God? He became marked through the responsibility that he had. He had to learn how to remain faithful in obedience before the Lord throughout the time of his own journey. So as he remained faithful, right? That was the covenant. You remain faithful and I'm your God. You break this thing and you're stepping out from under my covering. So Elijah learned how to walk out the responsibility he had with God. 
as he learned how to walk that out, he was cloaked. The same word, mantle, is glory. You can translate this word into glory. So it's, it's a covering, it's a cloak. Probably Elijah's was like an animal skin, you know, that he would wear probably sometimes to keep him warm, but also as a representation of who he was. So he's wearing this thing that's always covering him in some, some capacity. And it represents his power, his authority, and his, his operation in the, in the Lord. So the reason he takes it and drops it on Elijah is because he is now saying, I'm going to disciple, I'm willing to disciple Elisha. He's basically saying, come and follow me, right? So it's actually prophesying something that Jesus would ultimately do. It's prophesying discipleship. It's prophesying the passing on of the generation to generation to generation. That's always been the Father's heart, right? That we would not just live as isolated people, but that we would disciple people into who he is. So here's the, here's the crazy part to me of how men twist the Bible to fit our ego. Receiving somebody's mantle is nothing about an easy ticket to power and authority. But that's how it's treated. Why do you think thousands flock to conferences for the guy who's on the stage to lay hands on them to receive the mantle? They think easy ticket out of all that I would have to otherwise struggle through to get what he has and now become this powerful authority. Now I'll be on the stage and I can leave my mantle to other people. It's so flawed and so broken and it's so divisive that I feel like the Holy Spirit's like expose the lie. I'll shake it out. So literally, when he lays this on Elisha, this is like the heavy burden of now leaving everything behind. And Ginger, you just said this. I don't want to become a strong Christian, arrive at a place where I don't have full dependency on Jesus. Literally, when he laid this on Elisha, Elisha had to turn everything loose. And needed full dependence on God. He was saying, I'm going all in. I'll burn the ox, I'll burn the plow, and I'm going to go. So he's no longer able to trust in farming. He's no longer able to trust in like the things he did. He's literally saying, I'm going to trust in God. So now he has to begin his own journey of learning responsibility, being tried, being tested Being able to hear the Father, hear the Lord, understand what is God saying, what is He not saying. And now Elisha suddenly becomes the ears for Israel. Supernaturally, when the Amalekites and when the the enemy comes to kill Israel, Elisha just knows what's going to happen. So he just goes to the king. He's like, hey, don't go there. They're going to get you. And then the enemies are like, where is Elisha, this stinking dog who keeps spying on us and telling our game plan so we can't never beat Israel? Like that was Elisha's responsibility. It wasn't his easy ticket to fame. And what the charismatic, what the church can be so guilty of so quickly is we take scriptures like this, pull them out of a context of what they were, make them about man's fame and notoriety, and then become to display it and then cause a whole generation of people to seek something they're never supposed to seek. And now you have a generation of people who are like, I need the mantle, I need the mantle, I want the mantle, I want... Shut up! Like, have you read the New Covenant? 
And like where my heart goes with this thing is like, Jesus, what, is, what about you? Like, what is this really about? It's not about me getting something to make me known, period. Like, so, so I start asking myself this, the, the questions about what does the mantle look like in the new covenant? Here's what you won't find. You won't find the Apostle Paul telling people, well, come up here, I'll pray for you and give you my mantle of anointing. You don't see it in James. You don't see it in Jude. Brothers of Jesus, you don't see them doing that. You don't see the early church going, well, we're going to stay here in the, in the upper room and we're just going to wait till Elijah's mantle falls on us and we can really become workers of the glory of God. Like, no, that's not there either. Like, you do not see in the new covenant... Number one, you don't see an instruction to the church to pursue a mantle. It's not there. There's no commandment for you to pursue the mantle. There's no commandment for you to pursue the anointing. There's no commandment for you to even know your anointing. Like, where did we come up with that? You need to know what anointing you walk in, brother. Like, I know him. His name's Jesus. So, like... So there's a depth to this thing because I'm not just criticizing mantle seeking, but I am exposing deception in seeking something you were never supposed to seek. Because if you don't expose the deception, how can you live in the truth? Because if you actually believe that in the body of Christ, somebody else has more power and authority than you, then you'll never live up to the power and authority that's in you. You never will. If you think somebody else in the kingdom of God has more than you have, then you'll never live up to what Jesus gave you. Well, they got more. Well, there you go. You just capped yourself. You capped your well. We we need the body of Christ to uncap the well. To start to realize that there is no greater body part. There is no greater anointing. There is no greater mantle. None of that stuff exists. We've labeled it. Like, think about it. No one, the Holy Spirit of God did not come down with an edict to the church. Ever. And say, Reinhard Bonnke is the evangelist to the Africa. He will be the one to win the souls. So he has the greatest evangelistic anointing and he will do it. Never happened. Reinhard just believed that Jesus lived in him and he preached the gospel and God used it to win 70 million people to Jesus. And then people would go to Reinhard and go, pray your anointing on me. He said, no, I ain't doing that. What I have is from the Lord and you have to get your own from the Lord. Because he understood in his own life, in his own ministry, this thing isn't about passing on who I am. Right? Uh, the church needs an awakening, guys. Like, that's happening around here. That's happening in churches all over the place. It's, it's like we're, we've almost done the thing with the trained dog. Like, ring the bell and salivate. Like, people are literally, Dave uses that analogy, and it's true. Like, if the pastor does it, I do it. If everyone does it, then I do it. And, and like, what is genuine and what's not genuine? Did the Holy Spirit tell you to do something? Then do it. Don't ask me what you're supposed to do with your life. Ask Jesus. He's really good at telling you. Come on. He is. He tells me. He tells every believer. 
See, what we do is we seek men so that when men give us the advice and give us the opinion, then we know that we're pleasing that man and then we know that we're walking where they're okay with us. When in reality, Jesus did things that made men upset with him most of the time. Because the father said, "Mm," and the people said, "Uh." so you have to be able to live this thing with him, not with all this other stuff. So here's what here's here's the picture. Elijah learns relationship with God and he gets clothed with glory. When Elisha is seen, Elijah sees in him who the father is saying he's highlighting Elisha and saying, clothe him because he can walk in the same glory. So Elisha chooses the responsibility to walk in the glory that Elisha, Elijah also knew. It's not Elijah's glory. It's God's glory. And so Elijah clothed Elisha with the glory of God and the opportunity for greatness. Now it's Elisha's choice. So every moment that Elisha makes the choice, he's actually walking out what the destiny is for him. So we have a greater covenant, a much better set of news. Oh, so much better. So Jesus, he comes, he learns relationship with the Father. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He set it aside and was born of a virgin as a baby, grew in favor with God and man. He didn't come out of the womb perfected. He went to the grave perfected. Don't forget that. He was fully man, fully God, but 100% dependent on relationship with the Father. He didn't come in the world perfect. He left the world perfect because you can't be perfect until it's done. Right? So he leaves perfecting the relationship, perfecting the covenant, perfecting the law, perfecting the glory. Nobody was clothed with more glory than Jesus. Nobody. You talk about a mantle? Shoot. He walked with the glory of God 100% of the time, unbroken, unwavering, until the moment it was pulled off him at the cross. Right? So his mantle, Jesus' mantle, that same thing Elijah carried, was not a physical robe. It was the glory of God. So he dies and he raises and he comes back to his disciples in John 20, 22. Breathes on him. He says, receive my mantle. Receive the Holy Spirit. Breathes into them the life of God. For the first moment in their entire lives, everything he said for the last three years made sense. Because the scriptures pointed out, they're like, we didn't really know what he was talking about. But after we received the Holy Spirit, we're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like... So in their dense human frailness, he didn't throw them away, didn't cut them off, didn't shut them down. He kept living his life and he passed this mantle to his disciples. In John 17, he says, and it's verse 22, he says, the same glory I have, I give it to them. He's prophesying that he is going to breathe on his disciples and give them the mantle of his glory. And then in Isaiah 42, verse 8, he says, I'm the Lord your God 
And I share my glory with nobody of a different kind. So here's how mixed the message gets, guys. Check this out. Here's what you'll hear on an average Sunday morning message about mantles. God don't share his glory with anybody else. So now you're in the room hearing that message and you're like, oh, great. Here I am, a peon, a worm, a scum. You know, like, how can I get to the Almighty? You don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I've screwed up 55 ways this week, right? And now you're living under this, this realm of condemnation. And then it's like, what you need is the mantle of God to come down and be on you. And you need to walk in the mantle of God. So now you're like, oh, I'm a screw up and I can't have the glory of God. So what I really need is a mantle that a man has someplace in some place village. Maybe he's around the world. Not sure. Maybe he's in another conference somewhere. So I'm going to pursue that and hope that one day I'll get called up on stage and the mantle will follow me and I can do what God wants me to do. That's what's preached. I've listened to it. Whoa, what? When he said, Jesus said, if you believe, you receive my Holy Spirit. You receive my mantle. He said, the same glory I have, I'm giving it to you. The same glory, guys, not different glory. This isn't a yeah, but glory. Jesus said, I'm going to give you my glory. And you're like, yeah, but... Yeah, go ahead. Spit in his face. Trample on his blood. That's fine. Don't believe him. It's your choice. He says it. You deny it. Who's, who's, in the, who's going to be right in the argument? Jesus is always right. What Jesus says is true. What man says is a lie. What man creates is always a falsity in the face of what God has already created. So here's man wanting to be more important creates... These scenarios out of the Bible and out of an under, not an understanding of finished work of grace, equality among the body parts in the greater good of the entire church, not the greater good of the guy at the front. Not the greater good of the one in the corner, not the greater good of just a few, not the greater good of just the elders, not the greater good of just the intercessory team, not the greater good of the healing team, not the greater good of the worship team. Crap on that. That's a bunch of garbage because every single believer in Jesus Christ is equipped with the glory of Jesus Christ and needs to live up to the glory of Jesus Christ and stop believing that somebody else has what you don't. If you're in, you're in. Period. You got him. Now go with it. You can't make excuses for the glory of Jesus in your life. You either right or he's right. I'm going with him. So... There's the, the depth of this keeps going, though, because here's the reason that he gave us the Holy Spirit. The verse is followed up with these words. The same glory I have, I'm giving it to you that you may be one. Not that you may be divided and hierarchical. I'm not giving you glory so you can run around the world and give it to somebody else. You're not the distributor of my glory. Like... I'm not a mantle giver. There's no assignment in the kingdom of God for people to pass out mantles. If anybody had one, Paul had one. He never even brought it up. I don't know. Maybe he forgot. Probably not. The Holy Spirit was in control there. You talk about walking under power and authority. They walked around and threw their napkins on people and they got healed. Paul wasn't selling napkins on the corner. He wasn't, hey, you need 55 of my napkins. We'll make it happen. Like... 
We've been so deceived by the garbage that the man has created in order to divide us and make us think one's better and one's not as good. Huh? It's not them. It's the demonic realm of, of the spirit realm saying it's, it builds off ego. Do you get it? So, and hear my heart. But by the grace of God, that would be the case in my life. Very easily. I could very easily begin to preach messages like, like passing mantles and get my anointing. And people will follow it. Right? Because I'm preaching, you don't have what you need, therefore come to me and get what you need. It's only the grace of God that would keep me from my ego trying to create that environment. Ego is like what the demons feed off of. So if a, if a person can walk in compromise and a demonic can say, hey man, and it's not even conscious. It's not like they go in on a, on a Sunday morning and they're like, you know what? We're going to split this thing up. We're going to make this happen. They actually believe in the fact that they can pass something out to people. And usually the reason why is they don't believe of the fullness of who they already are. Right? So they pursued it. It was manufactured in their life, approved of by men, and now that's fully their doctrine. So of course they're going to preach it. So I, that's why Peter warned. He said, man, beware of the empty traditions that are passed on to you by the, by the forefathers. Because just because somebody believes something doesn't mean it's true. Right? And just because a denomination believes something doesn't mean it's true. I mean, the only person who has the authority of truth is Jesus. The only source of that authority is the Word of God. And the Word of God can only be interpreted by the Spirit of God. So you have to have the counsel of many. That's why we have elders in the church, right? So I'm subject, even in a place of authority, I'm subject to what Dave and Don are hearing on a regular basis. So if something comes out of me, which has happened, I can speak out of the flesh just as much as I can speak out of the spirit. But when that's happened, a brother comes to me and says, hey, the scripture actually says, and I thought I heard you say, and I'm like, whoa, you're right. I need to repent. That was something that I jacked up. Why? I'm a human being needing the grace of God, right? So again, it's not malicious. It's not, but I'll tell you who it's malicious from. It's malicious from hell. Because the moment hell can get anyone in the body of Christ to believe they're less than who they actually are, he actually removes the power from the church. That's why in the freshness of the early church, which you brought up, there was so much power and authority. The devil wasn't ready for it. Like Jesus just was like, hey. And then Peter preaches and 3,000 like. Right. And all of a sudden this thing has power. It's flipping the entire Jewish nation upside down. It's flipping the Gentile nations upside down. So Satan's like, oh man, how do we get this figured out? Let's just make them start to think one's better than another. And all of a sudden denomination and all the little differences that came up. And now people are not one. Because nobody's actually focusing back on what did Jesus say. He said, I'm giving you my glory so that you would be one. So I want to focus on that. Like for our body. Everyone in here, we all need to believe that we're clothed in the glory of Jesus. Your prayer is as powerful as any prayer in here. Your life is as powerful as any life in here. Your authority in this place is the same as anybody else's authority. Because it's rooted and grounded in Jesus. 
You don't need what somebody else in this room has. And what somebody else in this room has is not more than what you have. And I'll even go so far as to say this. One's gift is all of our gift. Dave may receive the song, but that's my gift too. Because I'm one with him. Yeah. Right. I'm impacted even by the negative stuff in my life, right? Everything impacts you. So if I share a message from someone I got in a prayer closet, I didn't get it independently from the rest of the body in the prayer closet. Like, right. your, our conversations and things you share and our relationship, it all impacts the message. So it's, and Dave showed me that, they, they're not my songs, they're from him, and he has a body, and I'm not an island. So. If, if you hear a song and a message speaks to you, it may be that your life impacted. There's two there's two songs that he has given me, and Ginger, uh, something Ginger said or did directly. I can, I can tell. I'm not gonna take time away from the message. Yeah. It absolutely is the exactly. Result of the, song. the song is a result of that, and it's not just Ginger. I can just point to two particular. I can do that with several people in this room. That yeah. song message came out of me meditating on something you said or something around right. Amen. So that's absolutely true. Well, even, and so I, have, I do have a gift in preaching. I do have a gift in tying things together. That's not Justin's wisdom, right? It's the Lord. But like this was spurred out of a person in this body asking me a question that needed to be asked. Right. Right? So if they don't ask the question, then the, the piece that I need isn't there either. But so each gift is the body's gift. I'll go a step further. Somebody else's beauty is your beauty. Somebody else's strength is your strength. We're really supposed to be one. Like Jesus didn't say just be one in in idea. He said be one. And here's where we break down because... The funny part to me is when I, when I wrote in my notes this morning, when I was just writing to the Lord, I wrote the word, I wrote about men. I said, men create things to make themselves feel more important, right? Like, where did we get all this? Uh, like, we label everybody, right? Like, you're this and you're that and you're this and you're that and prophet so-and-so and apostle so-and-so. Do you guys know that Jesus didn't walk around going, I'm Messiah? He barely told anybody. He did not do it. He was, in fact, when he operated as Messiah, was like, yeah, don't say anything. He's like, yes, I am. I I just acted like Messiah. I didn't tell you that I was. And what I did just took place. But you don't tell anybody. You go show yourself to, to the priests. Because you got healed by Messiah, even though I didn't tell you I'm Messiah. And he got, and then he went, and he, he's the only one of the few people he told was the woman at the well, right? The one who speaks to you, I am he. So all of our labels and all of our hierarchy, and I was writing that up to the Lord, and hierarchy was so close to the word anarchy. And I was like, man, leave it to man to hijack the government of God in the church. Like our hierarchy, it hijacks the government of God. 
the government of God is all the parts of the body acting and moving together, actually believing that if Ray is more gifted than me, I celebrate Ray's gifting because I'm one with him. I'm not, oh, I wish I had what Ray had. I do have what Ray has. I have intercessory prayer that Barb has. I have help that Don has. I have the, the knowledge that Dylan has. I am one with them and I live that out. So because of hierarchy, because of competition and comparison, what has happened is the church fragments on physiological and emotional and psychiatric and physical things. Women separate from each other on who's prettier in the room. Men separate on who's more fit, who's not fit. Women separate body image, body to What? What are we doing when we do that? We are desecrating the body of Jesus Christ. If somebody's beautiful, celebrate their beauty as you see it. It's yours too. You're not supposed to be walking around going, well, that one's this and that one's that, and I'm sure not. Like... The kingdom of God says you're full. Right? Like, and that's every tribe, language, nation, and people. The song Dave sang today. Do you realize that I'm one with guys that are living in jails being destroyed right now for their faith? I'm one with them. Their bondage and their imprisonment is my bondage and my imprisonment. Why do you think the scriptures say don't forget those who are perishing in the prisons? Don't forget the persecuted church. So in the same way that I celebrate the good things in the body of Christ, so I can bear the burdens that live inside the body of Christ. Dave's weakness is my weakness. Not to be judged and criticized. It's to be bared with and to be interceded for and to be strengthened. Why do we share with one another where we're weak? Why did Paul say, I'm going to boast in my weaknesses? Because that's where Christ's power is made perfect. It's okay to come and say, I am weak. And I'll tell you, I struggled this week with healing, with physical healing. Doubt and everything you can imagine and just assailed my mind, assailed my heart. The pain that I have had in my heel for five years was speaking way louder than the word of God. And things came out of my mouth that were absolutely in contradiction to the word of God. Absolutely in contradiction to it. And in fact, one statement I made, and I'm just being completely transparent with you. I said, this feels like a game. When I am called to pray for people with cancer and they die. The Bible says, your stripes healed us. So Jesus, what's true? Why am I praying? Why are people dying? Why does pain still live in my ankle, my foot, my heel? Right? Jesus didn't throw me out of heaven. Didn't close the kingdom. It's like, sorry, bro. Can't handle that conversation. Click. Now, you know what? I need to get to the depths of my own unbelief. Like, that's not about other people. It's about Justin doesn't believe. The proof that I don't believe is that that would actually come out of my mouth. And Jesus didn't fold his arms and I can't believe you don't believe. He opened his arms. And he said, keep believing. Keep believing. Don't let life speak louder than truth, Justin. In the face of 
pain that sometimes makes me so aggravated and angry that anything sets me off. I'm like, I believe, Jesus. I believe. I'm going to never stop believing. Somebody else gets cancer, I'm going to pray. Somebody else gets something else, I'm going to pray. I'm not letting life dictate my faith. I've told you guys, I'm persuaded. So when I'm weak, I don't go and hold my weakness to myself in my closet. One of the problems in the body of Christ is because we've created this hierarchy, we've hidden our weaknesses. Because we're afraid that our weakness makes us less than somebody else in the room. And what Jesus says is, bring your weakness to the light. Bring it to the truth and let light expel it. Let light, let truth overwhelm it until it's no longer your weakness anymore. I don't care if you have to go 7,000 times. You go 7,000 times with that weakness because Christ will heal it. Don't you ever hide where you're weak. Because if we as a body don't know where you're weak... We can't bear the burden with you. And it's not judgment. And it's not criticism. Because there's not a soul in this room who doesn't struggle on multiple levels. There's no hierarchy of struggle. There's no hierarchy of people. There's no hierarchy of I'm struggling, you're not. I have this, I have that. I've, done, I've, I've had the same problem 50 times. Then go again. I had the same lie. This 50. Go again. Go again. Because the righteous, it's not about how many times you fall. It's about how many times do you get up. It never stops at the fall. It stops at the getting up. Because you could fall a million times, but Christ will stand you up. Because on that day in glory, there will be the last moment. Every tear will be wiped from your eye. Because there will be no more suffering. There will be no more shame. There will be no more struggle. That's the hope set before me. So the Bible says... Christ in me is the hope of glory. It doesn't say Dylan's mantle is my hope for glory. It doesn't say so-and-so's mantle, so-and-so's anointing, Justin's anointing is my hope. No. Christ is in me. It's my hope of glory. And if I have glory that Christ had, the same glory, you know what? I'm one with the people in the body of Christ. Not looking for how do I understand and they don't understand or how am I operating and they're not operating. I'm just saying, let's operate. Let's roll. Let's kick the devil in the teeth and break the kingdom of hell wide open because the whole entire church of Jesus Christ in America rose up to the level of the glory of Jesus Christ instead of living at a lesser understanding in a comparison, competitive, worrisome place. I want to celebrate everything that you guys are gifted and good at. It's part of the, like, we have these tenets of true church. Some of the first thing I ever wrote down is I'm going to celebrate what you have. We are going to celebrate your gifts. We're going to celebrate how God's made you. And the other thing is, we're not going to turn a blind eye when you have a need. We're not going to turn a critical spirit when you struggle or you have a place in your heart that needs healing. Don't divide yourself from other people in the church. Not based on what you believe. Believe about them what Jesus believes about you. Like it's amazing guys. Do you understand that there are like. There are people of intercessory prayer in parts of the world. Who pray for hours and hours and hours a day. So that the body of Christ will be what she'll be. That's your prayer. That's part of you. 
You're not, you're not like, well, I sure don't pray enough. What? You're one in the body of Christ. The glory of God is in you. So you know what? If you need to pray more and the Holy Spirit's saying, hey, come and spend some time with me, go and spend some time with them. Simple. And so like, when I started to think about all this, and then this morning you guys were talking, when I'm clothed in the glory of Jesus, it literally removes all separation in the body of Christ. If he's not a respecter of persons, I'm not a respecter of persons. If he doesn't view people from the flesh's point of view, I don't view people from the flesh's point of view. Right? If he believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, bears all things, I believe all things, hope all things, endure all things, and bear all things. If he's the living word, I'm the living word. In my weakness, he is strong, so I can be as weak as that day may cause me to be. His strength didn't change. So I can put my head on the pillow at the end of a weekday and know I'm just as strong as when I woke up. Do you see? In the kingdom, there's no lack. You're not at a deficit. So watch how my prayer for healing is going to change, guys. My heel hasn't felt good about five years, except for a cortisone shot that I had at one point. Some days the pain, I don't know how to level pain, but some days the pain is literally every step feels like I'm stepping on like hot coals, fire. And so it's literally nonstop, you know, aggravation. So I was, I was, I was with the Lord and, and I was just like, Lord, please, please make this pain go away. Heal me, have mercy. I'm like, sometimes I was yelling at God. Like, I was like, you know, what do we have to do here, Lord? And something that, that came in my heart, wasn't the Lord speaking, so to speak, but something that came in my heart is, why are you praying from lack? And I, I'm not denier of reality, so don't hear me say something that sounds flaky. The pain's real, okay? But how real it is in my body versus how real it is in the spirit can also be very different. The word says that by his stripes, I have been healed. When I pray for healing, I'm going to move from a place of asking, begging, pleading. I'm going to begin to operate in a place of just simple declaration. Like, finished work, your word's true. So that manifestation is going to catch up to me. Right? That manifestation is going to take place in my foot. It's going to take place in people's bodies. People are not going to die of cancer. People aren't going to have ailments. And it's just how it's going to be. God's going to shift things. You know, we're going to begin to operate. And I started to think about a healthy church, you know, a healthy body. Some of the things that would mark a healthy body is that the entire body is known as a place of help. That people wouldn't call me because I'm a pastor. They'd call Chris because they know that the power and authority lives in his life. They'd call Penny. They'd call Ginger. The same level on the world's view of who we are as a body would operate totality over every single one of us. 
Like, if I need healing, it's not, well, hey, here's my pastor, go call him. It's like, I'll heal you right here. But then that's the health of the church because what begins to happen then is then the church itself doesn't see somebody else in the room as having more or less. Right? We all get the same. We all got that level of, of gifting. And so you can release all your labels. If, if, if people have put them on you, what anointing you have, what anointing you don't have, all those kinds of things. And you can walk in the anointing of Jesus. And I love the anointing of Jesus because it was just so free. Right? He didn't have like an agenda. He wasn't trying to prove himself. He just was being. He was being love. Nonstop. <laughs> so it was cool because, Don, you, you had gotten that word brush strokes. Right? And I just heard brush strokes of grace. Like the Lord just keeps painting us with more and more of his brushstrokes of grace, like leveling our playing field, right? And I, I just felt this in, this morning when Dave was singing. If there's something in your heart against somebody else in your, in your family of faith, go and tell them. Go and tell them. The Bible says, like, leave your offering at the table, right? And go make right with the one who has something against you. Sometimes the one who has something against you doesn't know you have something against them because you've never said it. You just act weird. That's a lot of times what happens. Like you're acting weird towards somebody and you're like, I don't know, something's up, but I don't know what's up. You're just acting weird, right? And then I, because I had a brother who had something against me for a long time and I didn't know. It came out through a third party. And so as soon as I found out, I called and I was like, uh, what's going on, man? He's like, well, you did this and you did that and you did this and you did that. And I'm thinking, yeah, I probably did. I'm like, man, will you forgive me? Like, I, I wasn't, that wasn't an intention of my heart. If it came out that way and these things happen, I am in the wrong. Like, I just, I just want you to know, please forgive me. Like, from the genuineness of my heart. And he was like, well, yeah. And then I said, well, you know, the Bible says if you have something against somebody... Bring it. He's like, no. What it actually says is, if somebody has something against you, then you need to leave your gift at the altar and go. And I was like, bro, I didn't know you had anything against me. You need to tell me. Like, I didn't know. Like, you told somebody else. You need to tell me. You know, like. And so I just believe that the health of the body will be so much greater when the openness of our hearts toward one another doesn't create an environment of bitterness. Because that, whatever that is, that offense or that little tweaked thing that's from the pit of hell it's not from jesus like it came out through comparison it came out through these lies that somebody has more and you have less like toss it in the trash whatever you thought they had more of grab onto it and be like that's mine too (laughs) you know like fill yourself up with the goodness of god like live in the goodness of god live in that goodness for others live in that goodness for yourself and and just enjoy it so That was what I felt the Lord had for you, for us this morning, for myself.